All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're watching Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Remshuk. Your one-stop shop for all things Oilers. David G.D. Riddick, are you kidding me? Let's get into it with the lead. I haven't had to make the old fart noise in a while, Liam, but I think that's how we sum up Saturday night, no? Yes. Yes. Big save Dave was big save Dave. I didn't like it. I don't like it one bit. Welcome to Oilers Nation every day, as always, coming to you live from the Sports Closet Studio, sportscloset.ca to upgrade your fan. Fan wardrobe? Fandrobe. Fandrobe. All right, sure. Uh, big week on the show here as hey, the others are going to be looking for a bounce back. They've dropped two or three since coming out of the All-Star break. Is there a reason to be concerned about this Oilers team? Is there a reason to be scared of the LA Kings once again, now that they've made the coaching change? We will talk about it all today on the program. We got a weekend recap. We got a Sherwood Ford giant question. We got a rumor roundup, some spicy stuff going on over the last couple of days in the old rumor mill. We'll have our moment of the game as well. But I mean, there was also a win mixed in over the weekend. So back-to-back games, they've played twice since we've had a chance to do a show together, Liam. So maybe we should try to tackle this thing a little bit in chronological order. And I'm interested to see what the reaction will be like in the chat as well. But I mean, Maynard, Nugent, Spivey, the LA game is a concern. It was not good. I would argue the win against Anaheim was a little bit of a concern as well. Like 
this team played so good that first game back against Vegas and didn't come away with the win that I was relatively stress-free going into that game against the Ducks. Through 40 minutes against the Ducks, I was not stress-free at all. Through the whole 60 minutes, there was never a point up until Evander Kane buried the empty netter where you were like, I'm feeling good about the Oilers right now. Like, the win wasn't good either. Yeah, it was an up-and-down weekend overall, wasn't it? But I guess the start of Anaheim... We've seen them do this though against the bad teams quite a lot recently. Yep. That I wasn't like, I mean, they weren't convincing by any means, but I did feel like they were always going to manage to come away with it. But it was the, it was weird how long it took them to take advantage of Lucas Dostal going between the pipes in the third period, too. Which was weird in general. Like yeah. Mulek just said in the chat, like, you know, it, the Anaheim game was weird. There's a lot of weirdness about it. It's a weird game. A lot of Oilers fans in the building, though, great which is great to see. So, yeah, disappointing against Anaheim, but I felt the same about when they played Chicago. I felt yeah. the same when they played Montreal. Like, it's just, they just played, I don't even know if playing down is the right word. They probably, that probably is something to do, but teams play, play up to play against the Oilers as well. So, it's tough nights every night when you're a team trying to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I mean, you know? still, you look at that record on the year, like, there's no reason to be significantly worried about this team, but I just think in the moment right now, we're seeing a bit of a correction from the 16 game heater. Yeah. And you know, maybe that game against the LA Kings a month ago, they just find a way to get a few on, on David Riddick. And let's be honest, they had some looks. Corey Perry has to score that one on the side of the net. And Leon Dreisaitl hits a crossbar in that hockey game. And Evander Kane had the one good look. And David did a crossbar too. When he went for his little cheeky one, right? Yeah. yeah. Four grade A chances that they just didn't quite convert on. Would have been four four? Would have been four four. But like even the parry one, right? Like if you score that goal, it's yeah. two one all of a sudden. And I mean their power play goes over four. Like there's just I don't know, man. There's just a lot. I, I'm not worried about this team. However, there are some things that I think need to change, and I think a lot of them revolve around. But sorry, I shouldn't say a lot of them. I think all of them around revolve around the forward group. I think that defensively, like I know they allowed four goals against the Kings, but I didn't think it was like all that bad. It was just what was happening was they were going up the ice and having like no sustained pressure at all, which was then just putting it all back onto the defense to try and stop the Kings from doing anything, right? So I don't know. Just really disappointing game on Saturday. I'm with you, and I think it's hard to feel kind of any other way than that um let's get into what you're all saying over in the charm diamond youtube chat before we uh go to our moment of the game and, and davin said you know la was playing for their lives and i do think you know we knew they were going to come out hard yeah and they did come out hard and, and there's no denying who the better team was in that hockey game like the oilers got out muscled they got out class but that was an la team i think that's the best you're going to see them look and it was far from the best you'll see the Oilers look. Yeah, but I think another layer to it, too, is coming out of this break, the Oilers have played three divisional opponents and come away with one win against the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah. The two teams you needed to beat, you lost against. And granted, the Vegas game, I think they were a bit unlucky. I think that was their game to win, and yeah. it didn't happen. But the Kings game, is like there was never a point where it was like, this is their game to lose. It was mm -hmm. like, no, Kings had full control of that game, and especially with what happened on, on Friday night, I actually think the performance overall is quite inexcusable. Is that fair from the Saturday? Like, how do you not get up more for that game? They had like four shots in the first period. 
the Kings got up for it and they, they, they haven't played in nine days. Three five-on-five shots in 14 five-on-five Horrendous. minutes. Horrendous. Can't be that, happening. The forward group was not good enough on Saturday. Oh. And I think they've changed the lines today, right? They have. We'll yeah. talk about that in, in a little bit here. Um, yeah, you're right. Like I'm just taking a peek at who even generated in that game. Like Connor McDavid, I know they eventually did go or they had a little bit of a run a minute with Connor and Leon on the same line, but that Connor new time in line was only on the ice for three shots at five on five. I mean, we've seen them routinely put up three shots in a single shift, never mind a full hockey game together, right? The McDavid seemed out of rhythm. It was that one where it was in the third period. He was coming through, he took on the one guy, and the puck just literally fell off his stick. It was just a very strange game for McDavid. I mean, it's tough to have him on his game every single night, so I'm not putting anything on him, but it was, it was just kind of weird, weird things to see from him. Yeah, Vander Kane is in and says, usually angry McDavid is good, but the last two games he's been making some mistakes that he normally wouldn't. Giveaways and passing when he shouldn't. Sergeant Battle says the ice was shit in LA. They had a basketball game there earlier in the day, then had to rush to get the ice and the puck was bouncing. I didn't notice that, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh. I mean, you could go through every team in the LA scored three goals. I know the one was an empty netter, so we'll just yeah. say three goals. They beat Stuart Skinner three times with I, bad ice too, right? I, Maybe I'm wrong, but didn't that happen against the New York Rangers too? Didn't the Knicks play? Yeah. And he was won that game. He was won that game. Like, I don't know. It's a bit of a poor excuse. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Mulek says toilet seat weekend up and down. So okay. let's get into uh, Liam. I, I guess it's time for our moment of the game for our friends at Douglas Mattress. Even, uh, even when the Oilers lose a game like that, I'm still finding a way to sleep like a baby because I'm sleeping on my Douglas Mattress. You've got yours. Nice and firm. I'm not, I wasn't used to a firm mattress, but I, I don't think I could go back. Uh, Douglas mattresses, you can support a locally owned and operated Edmonton company in order today at douglas.ca slash Oilers Nation. Douglas mattresses are handcrafted in Canada, ensures the, ensuring the highest quality materials and fastest delivery to you. If you're in the new market, if you're in the market for a new mattress, cannot recommend Douglas enough. The moment of the game, moment of the weekend, we'll say. I think it's fair to assume not going to come from that LA Kings game, but Evander Kane turning on the Jets, putting yeah. home a hat trick. Uh, we were joking on pre-gaming for the game on Saturday when we were going through the Ducks win. People were like, Tyler, remember when you said Evander Kane can't skate and he's slow? How about that empty netter? And yeah, it's like, it actually, up. Evander Kane, you shouldn't have showed us you have that in your repertoire. Like, now we know. Now we know you can skate that fast, Evander. I would like to see it more. Yeah, he really did put on the Jets for that, that hat-trick one. Now, what's that? 130 games, and he has five hat-tricks for the Oilers? Fastest Fast. in franchise history. Fastest in franchise history to that amount of hat-tricks. Just <laughs> crazy. Crazy. Second one this season. Look, like, Evander Kane's been, we're talking about being up and down, like, he's been up and down all season. Yeah. But he has 17 goals on the year. It's been interesting from him, inconsistent for sure. But they needed him. They needed someone to come through against the Ducks for them, and Kane showed up and, and did what he does best, score hat-tricks specifically. You know? Yeah. First one probably shouldn't have counted because Corey Perry slashed on awesome. Gibson stick out of his hands, but you'll love to see it. Second one, a decent shot from Kane, probably one Gibson does that, though, to some extent. Um, but I mean, hey, they're down 2 nothing if it's not for Evander Kane. They're down 2 nothing heading yeah. into the third period. So um, even the fact that I was going to just say the entire third period was the moment of the weekend for the Edmonton Oilers, but... I mean, let's be honest. They give up that goal early to Ryan Strom. Yeah. Like, they're lucky that they had that performance against the Ducks. Because, yeah. I mean, you could argue they had a very similar performance the next night against the LA Kings, and we saw what happened. So, uh, the power play came through with a big goal. 
guess that's one of the differences between the Friday and the Saturday night as well is that, you know, when you really needed the power play to drag you back into that thing against the LA Kings, it didn't happen. You got that break and you scored two goals in a matter of a minute and a half against the Anaheim Ducks. But man, let's just be honest. They were lucky to come away with two points there, (laughs) even though Evander Kane's hat trick, all that stuff. So great. Yes. The power play, big goal. It is hard to say they were the clear better team in that matchup. Yeah. I'll say that's my moment of the game. The one on the screen right now, the dry sidle slap shot to take the lead. Uh, Um, a positive out of the weekend, I guess you could say, was the production overall just from that third line. I, I second line, sorry. Even against uh, the LA Kings, like we said, Perry should have scored that one. We also said Dreis had a lot of chance. Like They were the other three best players from the both, game, both, mm-hmm. from both games, right? Yeah, they were, man. Um, McDavid almost up to, or he is up to 50 assists on the year now. That's pretty good. Picked up his 50th assist on the empty netter against the Anaheim Ducks. Man, he finished. He, he ended up having a great stat line with three assists on uh, the three final goals of that hockey game. So that was at least interesting. But I don't know, man. There's a part of me and I saw, I'm sorry, I forget. It was one of the regulars said, just go flush it. Flush this weekend. Forget about it. No, I don't think you can do that. They like, were awful. They were really, really bad against the LA Kings. And there's really not much of a reason for them to have been that bad against the LA Kings. I think you need to remember that game. I think you need to sit there and be like, oh, yeah, when we play the Anaheims and some of those weaker teams, we can get away with being sloppy for 40 minutes. You can't be sloppy for 20 minutes against the LA Kings because they'll burn you. I think another layer to this as well. If you played, I don't know, let's say the New York Rangers and you mm-hmm. lost four nothing. It's like, yeah, that's a team you play twice a year. You're very unfamiliar with it. Like it's not often you come across them. They have played the Kings. So they played him seven times in one year. I think they yep. played him three. So that's 10. They've probably played him 25 times in the last three years. Maybe that's 13 times in the playoffs. But it's just like four, eight, 12. Yeah, you're right. 20 25 times, times, something like that. It's like, how are you so not prepared for a game like this where you know they're going to put like their systems in and like it's going to be difficult. Even with the new coach, and they didn't like, show you anything they haven't shown any you before. Different. And it's just like they was, it just seemed like they didn't expect what was to come. I didn't really understand their, their game plan going into that. And I don't even think it's that they had tired legs. Like they've played three games now. The first game was an intense one against Vegas. That should have got your legs going overall. Yeah. Just weird. Maybe, maybe there was too many changes. I think that's honestly something to look at. I think they changed maybe a bit too much overall within the lineup. On Friday specifically, like we saw, and we talked about this on ONR, and then I broke it down the day after on, on pre-gaming with Boardsy, but the, the Vinny decision I was cool with. I understood it. I was like, okay, CC had a tough game against the Golden Knights. Why not see what you have with Vinny? Yeah. Moving on from the Bouchard echo pairing was insane from the jump. It did not make sense. That has been your best and most consistent pairing for the last 11 months since Matthias Eichholm became an oiler. You're messing with it just for the sake of messing with it. And I didn't understand that. And then when you look the way the pairings went, okay, is Nurse Vinny a top pairing to you? No. Uh, no, no, not, it's not no, a top pairing. No, no, sorry. I was thinking it's a pairing. So then, and then you had Eichholm CC. Is that a top pairing to you? No. Is Kulak Bouchard a top pairing to you? Uh, no, you had taken again. Echo and Bouchard can be a top pairing for you. And then you had taken everything else and just jumbled it up. And you didn't have a top pairing. You didn't borderline have a second you didn't pairing. Have like, you didn't have didn't anything. Work. And I actually thought I did think Nurse and Dehane were, were not bad together. But it's just like, I, I, 
you mess him with a lot. They mess with the forward group, basically every line, but McDavid's mm-hmm. line. It's just like things are kind of working here. Like they just won 16 in a row. And then they had a disappointing loss against the Vegas Golden Knights. Not disappointing in their performance, but the fact that they lost. And then I don't know, it just felt really strange. And even when before that they they went nuclear, right? Mm-hmm. For those past for those two or three games before the also break. I understood that. Things were kind of flat to be honest, but then you got it back and then you went back to your lines again. But now you look back to Saturday and for me, that third line can never ever play together. I think it's awful offensively in a Holloway, McLeod and Fogo. Like you can pull up all the stats you want. They do not score goals together. No, they, they don't do not. And I don't care what the course is and whatever that is. They do not score goals. Granted, they don't allow them and that's good too. But if neither of your third and fourth line score goals, you are basically the Toronto Maple Leafs and everyone's talking about them not being good enough to win a Stanley Cup this year. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in a bit with the short four giant question. I know McDowell's just throwing in all the numbers and I'm looking at natural stature right now, but how about how good Brett Kulak was against the Anaheim Ducks? Yeah, good. I would certainly hope the Oilers could put together some good performances against the Anaheim Ducks and sitting there flashing Brett Kulak's numbers I mean, yeah, he was good against the Ducks. Yeah. The rest of the demon weren't that good against the Ducks until they put Ekholm and Bouchard back together. So I think that kind of makes my point that I don't understand why maybe it was a mistake to mess with it the way they did. I think it was. Yeah. And against LA, you went with Nurse and Vinny, but did we not see Vinny really struggle against the LA Kings in the playoffs last year? Literally benched him. Benched him. <laughs> Had to go to Broberg for a little bit. I maybe that was a mistake to do it at that moment in the schedule with a big game against the Kings coming up. Maybe it shows and highlights the need to Ken Holland for uh, maybe it shows the need for Ken Holland to go upgrade the blue line. And, and maybe we see that right away, but man, it's just that game against the Kings. It, it left you feeling, it left me feeling a little uneasy. Whereas if it would have been a four, nothing win for the Oilers, I would have been firmly ready to sit yeah. here and talk about how they're, Going to finish second in the Pacific. And I don't think the Kings and Golden Knights can keep up with them. Because again, coming off that game against the Golden Knights, where again, the Oilers lost, I didn't walk out of that game being like, ooh, Vegas is going to be a, the, the Oilers are going to be lucky if they win two games in a best of seven against Vegas. I came away from that being like, man, the Oilers bury their chances. They win that game 4 2. And it's, we're not talking about a great structured Vegas team. We're talking about an Edmonton team that overmatched them. They just needed, a, they needed a bounce or two against LA. You could have gotten a bounce or two or three or four, and you're still losing that hockey game. Yeah, definitely. And people are talking in the chat about like, it's okay to experiment and it is, but maybe don't do it against your two biggest threats in a division. Yeah. You know, like there's just stuff like that. Um, I completely agree. Okay. We're going to move off from this because we can sit here and and talk about how disappointed we are against the, for the game against the Kings. For the full hour, and it's it's nothing's gonna change. I want to get to this comment, Chainsaw 99, because you put it in once, and I wasn't gonna call you out, but you put it in twice. This is the dumbest thing that will be commented today. Um, I appreciate you listening. I thank you for your input. Trading Evan Bouchard for Adam Larson in a first would be the dumbest trade in Oilers history. So we are going to pretend that never got put in there. Um unfortunately, Larson's never come back to Edmonton anyway. If he wanted to be an Oiler, he would still be an Oiler. And also, they're not trading Evan Bouchard. He's probably their best defenseman. Thank you. Um, yeah, even like part of the Oilers' problem over the weekend was they couldn't get out of their own zone and make a clean pass against the LA Kings. 
trading your best puck mover is not going to help you make more clean passes out of your own end. That's yeah. not going to help you get out of your own zone. It's and been funny. The 16 games, we didn't say a lot about Bouchard, but now all of a sudden, Bouchard's out the door. I've seen him go to Philly in the Walker trade. Now he's going to Seattle too. Where else Where else are we sending him? You know Could who else? Be in the trade? You know who else has suddenly gotten really good at their job since the Oilers started winning? Who? Dustin Schwartz. <laughs> hmm. <Great>. Interesting. <laughs> I thought he I thought he single-handedly murdered every Oilers goalie's chances of being a competent NHL netminder. I thought that was the play. Oh, but Stuart Skinner now has overcome his slow start and is looking like an elite goalie and he's brought up in a Dustin Schwartz system. Weird. Maybe and again, I I'm not I'm being like super tongue-in-cheek about this whole thing. Calvin Pickard's come up from the American League, looked like a quality NHL backup. But like and I just said at the time, the only reason I was saying like fire Dustin Schwartz is because I was sick of hearing about it, which I said was unfair to the guy. But maybe we should all just recognize we know nothing about the goalie position. It's an absolute mess. Maybe. is They don't actually make sense to the game of hockey. Like it really doesn't. Like it's so silly. Like we look around the league and like David Riddich got a shutout against the Oilers. They pulled up his stats. I don't know how many games, but since the stick flip is an 857. He's a 925 this season. Goaltending makes no sense. Yeah, and goaltending is no, the game before they played bloody Aiden Hill. He might be the best goalie in the league right now. Yeah. A one of right, right? Like he might when Canada go to the Olympics in two years, he might be the goalie for Canada. Yep. It makes no sense. It is just ride with what you've got and hope it works because you literally have no idea. Every single year, Igor Shosturkin becomes the worst goalie in the league in the playoffs. <laughs> Like right now, he, right now he's at a sub nine hundred. Like it doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. Yeah, it's uh, again. I just thought at the time I thought it was ridiculous to be wasting our breath on the goalie coach of all people, and no <laughs> one's going to sit there and give you know Dustin Schwartz his flowers because Stuart Skinner's got a nine forty. That's we were grasping at straws. So um, yeah, I don't know. There you go. There's your kind of recap of whatever the hell went down in those six periods of hockey that we watched this weekend. Um, yeah, not a lot of good. There was about, I mean, if we're being honest, there was about 10 minutes of good out of the 120 minutes, and it came late in the game against the Ducks. Yeah. Other than that, like against the Kings, man, they got gifted power plays. LA kept taking these damn too many men penalties. Like, is, I knew it was just Kopitar every time. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, the power play was bad. They were bad at 5v5, like whatever. Um, let's just move on. Let's just move on. Let's get to. Oh, actually, there's one thing I want to talk okay. about. Uh, how about Mikey Anderson trying to take. Uh, Zach Hyman's head off and then he's the one who bounced off the boats. I thought that was awesome. That's actually my Douglas moment of the weekend was Mikey Anderson flying into the Do pool. we have the clip? Like, that is a, like how do you how do you not knock Hyman on his ass? Uh, also I thought the linesman's play in this was so strange. Like Mike Anderson's did nothing like didn't go to fight anything and even Zach Hyman like they kind of chirp a little bit there and he immediately grabs him but it's everybody else who's kind of skirmishing. Very yeah, strange. they really wanted to protect Mikey. First, yeah, because he's a rat. And when you hear the name Mikey, you automatically assume he's 12, right? So the linesman yeah. might have been like, whoa, there's a kid on the ice. We <laughs> got to make sure no one boy. hurts him. Yeah, yeah, protect Help the kid. Him. Where's Minnie? Yeah, <laughs> Mikey, huge rat. Worst name ever, plug. All right, sure. I like that one from the comment section. Thank you, Amanda. <laughs> okay, let's get to our weekend recap. It is brought to you by our friends at Greta, which should be your weekend spot. If your weekend recap on a personal level Includes a stop at Greta. You probably had yourself a pretty yeah. good weekend. Fun games, great drink specials, and unbelievable street food. The pizza taquitos are a must-have every time I roll in to Greta. Check them out downtown Edmonton. Your spot pre, post, or during the game. Uh, Morgan Riley versus Ridley Gregg. 
a rivalry we didn't know we needed. Riley versus Ridley. Da, 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 da. Let's do we have the clip. Here's where I will come out on this. I I actually didn't even I don't think I sent out a single tweet about this because I wanted to save my uh, take for the show. Leafs and Sens fans go you covered. Don't worry. Can I say <laughs> can I say I'm actually cool with both of these? Yeah, as I like am too. Listen, I'm not advocating for guys getting cross-checked in the head, but Morgan Riley will now sit for probably five plus games for doing this. Do I love Ridley Gregg ending a game against their rivals by hammering a puck into the net? You better goddamn believe I love him doing that. Should he have maybe known, hey, someone's going to be really pissed (laughs) off that I'm doing this? Yeah. And he probably should have been a little bit ready instead of just like looking into the crowd and being like, "Woo, empty netter, baby, padding the stats like whatever. You did something dumb to show up the other team. I'm cool with that. I think sports kind of needs more of that. I'm a fan of bat flips in baseball. Should Morgan Riley take exception to it? Yup. Should Morgan Riley have maybe just, and Jay Rosehill said this on DFO Live today, should he have maybe just cross-checked him really hard in the arm so Ridley Grieg feels it for the next two weeks? Probably. Probably. And you're not getting suspended if you do that. Morgan Riley did a dumb reaction to a dumb play and he's going to sit for five or six games probably. I I'm with you. I think it was awesome. I think it's good to have that bit of rivalry, right? right? Like that's what you want. And I mean, for Ridley Gret to go and do that, that is some that is some bullish shit right there. I thought it was awesome. Like, <laughs> like yeah, what it's so funny. So great. And hey, Morgan Riley had every right to be pissed off. I'd be pissed off about it. I don't think anyone with common sense should sit here and say Morgan Riley shouldn't have done what he should have. Yep. He should have gone after Ridley Gregg. Should he have cross-checked him in the head? Probably not. I also don't think that was his intent. I think he meant to cross-check him. Rode up a bit. Kind of rode up. But that's, that's a chance you take. Yeah. But I love it. I think it's great for, for the Battle of Ontario to have that bit of rivalry mm-hmm. uh, for two non-playoff teams. And let's see what happens. I don't think Morgan Riley should get like six games. So I don't really know what he should get. I'm, I think five. I, I just don't see how... The league can suspend David Prom for six, mm-hmm. which was brutal. Fully deserved. Could have probably got 10. I think just as bad. Uh, No, I don't think so. Because I think Zub had nothing to do with it, right? Like he cross-checked the wrong guy. And also Zub, if I remember correctly, wasn't anticipating yeah, it at right. all. It was a straight cross-check. And then also, didn't they take back the six-game suspension? Didn't they like bring it back to like... He three? appealed it, but I don't think anything came of it. You know, I thought it got reversed a uh. little bit. Uh, either way, like, I think he should get three games. He's going to get like five or six because it's in person, but I just don't think it's actually as bad as it's being made to be seen. I just it's think... Ones that are way worse that don't get called. Yeah, I just think it's so far from a hockey play that you need to come down on stuff like that. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It, this is like... Again, you can go after them, and I'm totally for. And the people, and this is where I think the overreaction's funny. Leafs fans acting like Ridley Grieg did like the most egregious thing ever is uh, objectively hilarious. Senators fans saying Morgan Riley should get 10 plus games, give your head a shake. Like this is to quote Evander Kane, F around and find out. Yeah. You wanted to F around a little bit, and you found out that this is a league of men, and they will do that to you. So whatever. Do you think this broke the code? Yeah, a little bit. What's the code? That you don't show up your teammates like that on an empty netter. But again, I love it. I love when the code gets broken in situations like this. The other team? Like the, you don't show Greek. up the other yeah, team. Yeah, you don't show up, don't show up the other team. End the game, you won, take your two points and go home. You want to do that? 
you're sparking a rivalry. Get ready to get ready for sparks. I honestly think the code goes out the window a little bit. It, Hell yeah, Gaetan Haas. <laughs> I think the code goes out a window a bit depending on your opponent. Now, maybe I'm wrong in that, but like that is Toronto versus Ottawa. That should be the biggest game. Like, put it this right? way, like, Oilers fans, if you're sitting here being like, he shouldn't get any games or whatever, and you're fir- no. firmly taking Morgan Riley's side, you think Greg, Greg's a joke? If Evander Kane did that to the Calgary Flames, I'd love it. You would be loving it. And if Rasmus Anderson cross checked him in the face after, you would be like, That's come fine. on, like, let's be real. But you would be sitting here asking for five to eight games I, at least. I just think it's fine. Like, I don't know. There's, there was so much that went on this, this past week with suspensions and everything, but that was. It was very fun because I think a lot of people would have seen it too because it was right before the Oilers game. So a lot of people in our chat would have just seen it happen at the moment. But he's going to get, I think he'll end up game five. I think he should get three. But well, also the Ottawa media being like, it's someone, I can't remember his name, but put out like Greg, like on the ice after taking a vicious cross check to the head. It's like, it did kind of hit his shoulder first. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's probably hurt a little bit, but he, he had it coming. Yeah. Uh, Royden is in and said, how many miles per hour was the shot? I think they said 76 <laughs> was what they clocked it at. Uh, Sheldon Keefe was surprised. Morgan Riley got an in-person hearing. He added, quote, I think there's a history also of events that happen in Toronto and with the Leafs that get more attention and more hype that tend to lead to something such as this. There is, again, just as someone who I like to think I'm all right at putting myself in like an objective third-party view, people like Western Canadian hockey fans think the league loves Toronto. Oh, the league will do anything for Toronto. Oh, they love every announcer, such a Toronto Homer. But then Leafs fans also sit there and are like, the league hates the Leafs. There's a reason we never win. Everything's anti Toronto, blah, 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 blah. Like, oh, Jim Houston. If you were to ask the average like Oilers fan who watches national broadcast, Jim Houston is the biggest Leafs homer ever. You ask the average Leafs fan, they hate Jim Houston because they think he hates the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Like, it's just funny to see how both sides kind of view each other. It's very similar to the Lakers in the NBA, the the Dallas Cowboys, the uh, New York Yankees, right? Like these mega popular media teams always think their fans think they're hard done by and everyone else hates them. It's the nature of it, right? Daki, sorry, not Daki, Troy, geez, Louise. Made a good point. If Petrangelo got one game for his slash, then Riley should get three games max for this. Like, it, that's the thing too. Like, I, I'm not really going to. Petrangelo was to. one playoff game though, and remember, Petrangelo and Nurse offset. So maybe they should give Riley three and Greg three, Greg yeah, three, and just even call it a wash. Uh, it's so hard to predict what's going to happen here because it was also the one a couple of years ago. Uh, Blake Lazart was suspended. I think it was Lazart. Suspended one game for cross-checking Josh Morrissey. But in the explanation, it said, uh, and the shot went right to his face. But they said the stick rode up, and therefore it was incidental contact to the face. That might save Riley a little bit. But also then, if that's the case, then why does he have an in-person hearing? You know what I mean? Like, it's just so inconsistent. It's so hard to actually predict what's going to happen. But I think it was great. Both ways. Yep. What else we got? Uh, just quickly, because uh, I think this is hilarious as well. The tweets who are like, man, Ridley Gregg would never do that if the Leafs had someone like Ryan Reeves. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Oh, also the fact Ryan Reeves came out on the ice after. And then they put uh, Ottawa Pile there, find a mark, something, a Kastelki? Uh Mark Kastelik, yeah. Former Medicine Hat Tiger. Yeah. And K- what's his name? Mark Kastelik. Kastelik lined up at center to take the face off and Reeves stood next to I don't even know who it was. It's like, okay, if you want to just kick the other guy out of the center circle and you take it, 
Like, if you want to be this big tough guy who's going to like fight everyone and set a tone, like, then fight the guy. Uh, it was Bernard Docker. Right. Unbelievable. Ready? So, Ryan Reeves' quote today at Skate. Quote, if you rewind to when I came into the league, he's probably still laying on the ice. I oh, thought yeah. Morgan's response was appropriate. I don't see how a kid that young thinks it's appropriate to do something like that. Also, hilarious that Ryan Reeves is like, boy, back Not, in my I, day, like, dude, you're in the league. You could have done something about it. Yeah, 2010, by the way, when, when yeah, Ryan Reeves so like, came into the, the league. What are we doing here? Like, Ryan Reeves acting like he played in the 80s, like ridiculous uh yeah oh my god he could have been involved in that like, come on you came on the ice and did nothing, nothing. yeah but uh, if it was back in his day like back. dude you're an active player you were on the <laughs> roster you were in that game and hey like um, it, maybe he doesn't if he wants to like set the tone he doesn't even have to fight castle just jump the guy next to you yeah. <laughs> like, Why do you give a shit? You're Ryan Reeves. Game. Are you not there to do stuff like yeah. that? If Morgan Riley's having to take fights, then they're paying Ryan Reeves too much. Okay. Wrapping yeah. up our weekend recap here. Super Bowl. Um, yes. Super Bowl. What a game. So I did two. Kinda. I did two really smart betting things this weekend. I told my buddy that I was watching the Oilers game with on Friday. I said, if the Oilers go down to the Ducks at any point, I am automatically betting the puck line and That's betting clever. heavier than I usually do. I did that. I came through on my world. I also sat there once uh, Kansas City tied up the game. And I said, they are. I have watched my team, the Buffalo Bills, lose enough heartbreakers to the Kansas City Chiefs to know Kansas City's not losing that football game. So I went with a same-sized wager, and I bet on the Chiefs, who were underdogs. It was love that I did the same thing last year, too. Yeah. I remember they're now back-to-back champs. Yeah. Like, they're just... And Mulek says the first half of the game was brutal. It was awful. Um, (laughs) I think our age group, Usher doesn't do it for me. Oh, no. You liked it? I thought I tweeted this. Alicia Keys was a turning point in the entire evening. That's because you're a when Ali, Alicia, no, Keys when Alicia Keys came on and she kicked it off. And then Ush, the tempo of the performance just changed entirely. We when, had, I, I don't know who that guy was that looked like CeeLo Green. I don't think it was him, though. Then there was the lady with the guitar who I was supposed to know. I have no idea who that was. But then all of a sudden, we've got uh, Will I Am. That Didn't was cool. Recognize him at first, though. On rollerblades, Usher shirtless, sweating. That was unbelievable. Like he's watching cops, and then all of a sudden he's on rollerblades as well, flying around. Next thing, Little John. Are you kidding me? In the crowd, did you see the person fly up in the background yep. too? That was nuts. And then Luda. Ludicrous. Out of nowhere with this crazy hairstyle. What a great finale to the performance. So I will then maybe this is where we'll meet in the middle. The <laughs> halftime show was the exact same as the game started oh, boring yes. and then kicked her up at the end. Cause yeah, when yeah. Lil John came on, like me and my buddies were getting pretty fired up. Yeah, me too. Uh, I was, uh, I was at a bar in Shrew Park watching it and everyone went nuts when Lil John came on. And uh, yeah, Luda came on. And the amount, but then the, the amount end of, was also weird when Usher stood there. But that's how he ends his songs. I guess, yeah. And But it was funny when Ludacris came on, uh, you could hear just like Luda all over the bar. It was so funny. Um, <laughs> me and my buddies were joking because like everyone came on with these big entrances, right? <laughs> yeah. Alicia Keys had the cape and Lil John. Lil John was just like, no, throw me in the crowd. Just put <laughs> yeah. me in the crowd. Like, no, you don't want like pyrotechnics, some lasers. You want us like lower you in? Nah, throw me in the crowd and I'll scream a bunch of times. I'm a man of the people. Yeah. 
I loved that. Um, so you're right. It did get better towards the end. Maybe I was being a little bit, uh, a little bit harsh on it, but uh, I thought the halftime show was reminiscent of the game. Uh, the drama at the end though, was excellent watching the chiefs go up. And I mean, they had that play on fourth and one where, yeah, and what, what a, a tough, play. Uh, what a great play call yeah. by Andy Reed. Cause I was sitting there going like, okay, you got Pacheco who's been stuffed a couple of times. Do you, the smart play I think there is to run the football. Yeah. But to sit there at fourth and one in the Super Bowl, the last thing you would want to do if you're Andy Reid is have to explain why with your season on the line, you didn't keep the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands. So I think that play call was genius. Give Patrick Mahomes a chance yeah. to just trust his instincts. He had Kelsey there if he needed to flip it over, if they read the play perfectly. So either way, one of your superstars is going to decide that game. Patrick Mahomes ultimately did, keeping the drive alive. Uh, field goal, Harrison Bucker is legit, man. He's, he's one of the, probably the most clutch. Really probably one of the Did he most, miss one this year? I don't know. But he's he one of the most clutch kickers max. in NFL history. He has to be. Yeah. Actually, no. Remember last year? He was awful. He was so, so but bad last he, year. But he made one in the but Super Bowl. But in the Super Bowl, he did make one. He made the game winning. Yeah. But I remember I had him in my fantasy league, and he was brutal all year. But the year before, he was he was perfect. So, yeah, it was kind of crazy. But you know what? It was a wild play that hasn't been spoke about a lot is when they spotted Travis Kelsey incorrectly. Uh, it was the first drive coming out of the halftime break. And he got the first down and they made it third and one. Yeah. And then they never challenged it. There like is, maybe it was fourth and one and they punted. I can't remember, but he's like, how was that not challenged? He was clearly over the line. Premier League football, World Cup football. They have the technology to tell if like a yeah. quarter inch of a guy's ass is offside. It's crazy. And in the NFL, they are trusting 60 to 70 year old <laughs> men standing 20 yards away to be like, I think his knee might've been down there. With yeah. Chains. Yeah. With chains. Like, how the NFL is still at that point where they're like, this is the best we can do. Makes <laughs> no sense. Like in baseball with balls and strikes, I understand like, Hey, the human element, managing the strike zone, knowing the umpire is yeah. like a part of the game and the strategy that still being a part of football makes zero sense because yeah. it almost cost the chiefs. Big that was time. a terrible spot. Terrible, terrible. And it's like, no, I've been spoke about because obviously they won, but I bet that would have been a big news story. Uh, the other play that was interesting that got people talking was when, I think it was third down, but like Kyle Juszczyk caught it, but then he took two steps and then he fumbled it. Was that a football play? I think it was. Cause I don't think he would have stretched yeah. for the first down otherwise, but there was like a big conversation about it too. It yeah. Um, a great game overall. Um, it would have been nice if Travis Kelsey would have got that final touchdown for my own personal purposes. Ah, he had the TD. But... I don't think uh, how many players would have hit the over on their props in terms of receivers. Uh, what well, Kelsey did, he did end up hitting yeah, the over. Okay, uh, oh, I guess OT probably helped. Hartman that. did. Uh, Derek McKinnon had an over receptions of three point five, three and a half yards, and he got fifteen. Uh, I bet heavy on Yuschuk, and it was oh, this, really? his over under uh, one catch was minus one twenty, and his over under was four and a half yards. Oh, and wow. second play of the game, they checked it down to him for 18. I was like, oh, well, that was easy money. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed the game, the second half. I, unlike some people, are actually, I'm actually quite happy Patrick Mahomes won. Uh, I also liked his quote at the end of the game, I think it was, where they were, at, they were talking to him about Brady and he said, he's like, I don't know if I could ever pass Brady because Brady beat me. Right? Yeah, but Brady beat you when you were like, you know, but that's his years only, old. If he now doesn't win another Super Bowl, He'll have three, right? Yeah, but, but I've been to four, and the only one he lost is against Brady. Like he obviously has to get a couple more to even pass in in that regard of things. But I I liked it. I thought it was actually quite an interesting story arc overall from Kansas. Just mm -hmm. 
where they came from, and now you got these random guys like. There was a Gatorade. It was purple. It's purple. It just oh, they didn't show it right away. Yeah, it took a while. They do that every year. It's always silly. Yeah. There you go. But great game. There I really go. enjoyed it. Our weekend recap for Greta uh, Daki. Yes, next year is the year. Go Bills. Um, I mean, hey, that's part of it too. With Mahomes, is like you can sit there and be like, oh, well, he never beat Brady, but like, dude, the gauntlet of great quarterbacks, he just continually runs through and probably will continue to run through. Yeah. Oh, just just the AFC AFC overall. Yeah. Uh, Allen. Yep. Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is his biggest threat. I think Allen is. Allen's never beat him. Burrow's beat him. Yeah, still though. Interesting. Is it, uh, sorry, we'll end after this. But yeah. like, San Francisco, now what do you do? You've got this elite, elite team. And you just can't get over the hump. I think you you ultimately keep it where it is. But it's You've like, made the Super Bowl, what, yeah. What do you, how much further does this core continue to go? Yeah. Um, I was also just going to say like... <laughs> There's a, I understand why they do it. So, like, it gives fans a chance to travel and get set. But, like, I wish the Super Bowl was just the week after the AFC NFC championship. Like, at this point, no, it's not like a lot of visiting fans are going to the Super Bowl. Like, it's mainly corporate people and whatever, right? Like, I know there were some Niners and Chiefs fans, whatever, but like, I think you could do it the next week and like, Give yeah. these teams less of a chance to prepare for each other, have a more chaotic game, a little bit more hype, I think, whatever. Um, okay, Cassandra yelled at us. She's like, can we talk hockey, please? Yes, Cassandra, we can. Let's get into our Sherwood Ford giant question of the show. It is brought to you by Sherwood Ford, the giant. Tomorrow, back with another Sherwood Ford giant game day edition of things. You can find out more about Sherwood Ford the giant by visiting them online, sherwoodford.ca, to check out their extensive inventory of new and used vehicles. Can the Oilers move forward with the bottom six the way it is? Liam, you crafted today's Sherwood Ford giant question, and it lines up perfectly with what we saw from our, from the skate from Oilers practice. Matthias Yanmark is out. Sam Gagne is in. This is how the Oilers skated today. Nurse and CC back on a pairing. Everything is back to normal for the Edmonton Oilers on the defensive side of things. The top nine is staying the same. The bottom three is the one that changes with Gagne, Ryan, and Brown now being a line. So I'll let you take the first crack at the giant question you came up with. Can the Oilers move forward with this bottom six the way it is? The correct answer is not a chance. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I, the fourth line is what it is. Like, like, like Brown and Yamark both have roles on this team on the penalty kill, which has been fantastic for 25 games now. Basically, like Knobloch's tenure, right? Like, he's been really, really good. So they have roles, and I understand that. But offensively, you do need these guys to contribute. So I'm not happy about that. The only player over the weekend from the bottom six to get a point was Derek Ryan, which came on the empty net goal from Evander Kane. And that, it's just not good enough. And for me, I said it kind of towards the front of the show, but I like a, I like that third line. I like all three of those players. Yep. But they do not work together. They do not work together at all. And I, second line was the best line for the others this weekend. But you know what was the best line before that against Vegas? I would argue Holloway, McLeod, and Perry. Right? They were really, really good. I don't understand why that line was split up. I think it's clear that Fogel cannot play without Dreisaitl. I think he has to be there with him. And I think you've got to figure out a way to make it work where Fogel is on that wing with Dreisaitl, whether it be Kane or you put McLeod back there. you got to make some changes here. And look, like Gensel would be great. I just don't know if that's the error. Such an interesting debate because they have so many holes still despite winning 16 games in a row. Ryan McLeod, Dylan Holloway, and Warren Vogel have all been on the ice for a total of 41 minutes and 43 seconds together this year. The third line, sorry? Yeah, that third line. <clears throat> McLeod, Holloway, Vogel, 41 minutes and 43 seconds with all three of them on the ice. How many? They, I bet they have three goals. Nope. They don't have any. They don't have a single goal that in that, ridiculous. In that 41 minutes they have not scored. They should never play together. Just Holloway and McLeod? I've played 99 minutes at five on five. They have two goals. Just Holloway and Fogel have played 30 minutes. They have two goals, although they're outscored four to two. Just McLeod and Fogel with no Holloway, 221 minutes, 12 goals. But so that's just those two. Yeah. I bet if see what it is with Drysidle. Drysidle and Fogel? No, no, no. With those two and Drysidle. Oh, instead of Holloway. Yeah. Because that would stay the same, right? If it was. Yeah, you know I mean? so 41 minutes, zero goals for them there. 88 minutes and 10 goals when you saw Drysaddle for Holloway. So they've scored two goals about Drysaddle together, basically, yep. right? Yep. That is, I just find it's so interesting that we haven't seen that trio together since. Mm-hmm. It's clear that it works. And I don't know. I really don't know which way you go if, if with that third line because the numbers back it up. It does not work. Do you agree? You agree? I guess I 100% agree with you. And if you want to flash up the lines again, AB, I'd like to take a stab at this. Like, I think it highlights how important adding another piece to the top six is because you put someone next to dry settle Kane, you can move Perry back down. You can shift Holloway to fourth line center. I'm not seeing anything out of Derek Ryan right now. And I don't know if he's out of gas in the middle of the season, but I mean, they just had their all-star break. I don't think you can trust Derek. I don't think you can have a playoff lineup with Derek Ryan and Matias Janmark in it. I don't think you can play them. Derek Ryan and Matias. No, I agree. I they there's not enough there, and I know people love the Yanmark defensive side, and he doesn't give up goals, and it's a great stat. All of everything like that. Gregor pointed out today on the DFO rundown. Yanmark also takes more penalties than any other Oiler. Really? And he took that dumb one last year in the playoffs that I'll never forget. But like, sure, okay, he kills penalties. Awesome, love it. I think you can do much better in the bottom six. And I don't think Derek Ryan moves well enough to be a centerman. If he's a spot duty winger, sure. I think Connor Brown, at least in Isaac says Brown's got to do something. He's got to score eventually. That's it's inexcusable. That he hasn't scored 
but I at least see him moving his boots out there and he creates a little bit. I don't see Yanmark and Derek Ryan creating much of anything. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's actually unluckily this. I'm sure there's a layer to this, but like, I can't believe Sam Gagne hasn't played a game since coming back. Like, I can't believe they didn't play him Saturday uh, or on Friday. Just, you know, it's a double header. Give a guy a day off. Yeah. Like it doesn't make, it's ridiculous yeah. to be honest. And I, if you're not going to play Fogel in the top six, I would trade him. Like I really would. I think, I, I think his contract, if like, if you're trying to get a Gensel, for example, yeah, I think Fogel's a guy that I would move out because where would you play him? It does not going to work. McLeod drive Fogel was Mulek's suggestion. Kane Holloway Perry then becomes your third line. See, and, and what I'm doing is I'm adding another winger, putting him next to dry If you want to go with whoever the new winger is dry and Fogel, then your third line can be Kane McLeod Perry. That actually might be a good line. And Holloway can be your fourth line center. Kane McLeod Perry. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, I, the thing about Holloway that I've, I've been questioning a little bit is he's a little bit too chaotic. You know what I mean? Like you, in comparison to Drysaddle, and obviously that's a big comparison, but like for those lines to work, I think Drysaddle works for them because he can find those gaps in the ice, right? I don't yeah. think Holloway is going to be able to find Kane and Perry like Drysaddle could. And I know that's a crazy comparison to make, but yeah, yeah. I can see why that line works a little bit more than what it would with Holloway. Final buzzer said Ryan is dragging around the two lowest producing players. And that's why I said you can't, you can't play, you can have one of those guys in your lineup. Yeah, you can have one PK specialist. You need to find players who can do more for you because all Derek Grant does is kill penalties. All Connor Brown does is kill penalties. At least he moves decent. And all Matias Janmark does is kill penalties and take penalties. I think you could send down all three of those players to the American League and not one of them would get claimed. Connor Brown might get claimed. He'd be the only one I would consider yeah. getting claimed. Which is wild to say because he doesn't have a fucking goal this year. But yeah, it is. I don't know. I just, you can't trust that bottom six right now. and. I, you experiment with your blue line. It didn't work. You've now experimented with your forward groups and it hasn't worked. It's clear that like guys are working different places. Yep. But again, like that second line was the best line. I can understand why you want to change it, but the first line is the best line in hockey. Yep. Like, what do you do? So, Dr. Carpy says, so Kane gets a demotion for playing hard. That makes sense. It's not, a, it's not about promoting or demoting guys. It's about building a top nine that can compete against the Vegas Golden Knights and the LA Kings. And to compete against the LA Kings, like we saw, you need more than two lines going. You need 12 forwards who are all pushing things in the right direction. So could Evander Kane sit there and be like, oh, why aren't I playing with Dreisaitl? This is bullshit. Maybe, but I think there's a chance he can be a good third liner for you if you put him with the right line mates there. Why can't Kane, Perry, and McLeod work? Why can't that be a third line that scores goals, is a piss off to the other team, and pushes play in the right direction? Evander Kane showed us he can skate hard. He can win a foot race. Corey Perry has shown us he's a smart player who generally makes good decisions. Should have scored that goal against LA, but whatever. (laughs) Ryan McLeod's had a really nice run here of whatever now, 25 games. Those guys can be a good third line for you. Leon Dreisaitl can produce with Warren Fogle and potentially someone you add next to him. Try to build a top nine. Don't be worried about, okay, is our first line our best line? Is our second line our second best line? Is our third line our third best line? No, just have three lines that work really well. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, it's going to be a very intriguing deadline. Not about demoting guys or labeling them as first, second, or third line players. It's just about, it's about building a unit that works and can consistently on different nights have different players step up and be the hero for you. Because that's what helped against Anaheim mm-hmm. is the fact that Evander Kane stepped up and scored a couple of massive goals and won you that hockey game. So Yeah, 
I think I would just simply switch Fogel and Perry right now. Yeah, I would too. I think that's as simple as... And again, that second lines look good, so I understand not wanting to break it up, but you're breaking it up in the name of trying to build a top nine that really, really works. And I know I'm kind of talking out of two sides of my mouth because I said, don't do that with the blue line. Don't break up a pairing that works just to try and mix everything else up. But I think that was dumb because you eliminated a bona fide top pairing. I think this is a little bit different because I don't think Kane, Perry, and Dreisaitl are a long-term solution at your second line. I think... To build the best lineup, Corey Perry is probably helping out on a third line. Evander Kane and Ryan McLeod could be there to drive offense. And that's a third line that could really outwork the other team's third line on a lot of nights. So, uh, Sam Ghani expected to be back in the lineup tomorrow as the Oilers take on the Detroit Red Wings. That is your giant game. Revenge game for Ken Holland. Sam Ghani. Yeah, he was a wing for a bit, I guess. Sure. Worst decision in Oilers history. Oh, man. He should have been a part of that run. Should have been. That's so, yeah, that Run. is a piss off. Run. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I just want to see Gagne play a playoff game for the Oilers so bad. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There you go. Shout out to Sherwood Ford. Their service sales parts department are all top tier, and it gives you a reason. One, not just go get into a new vehicle, but they take care of you afterwards as well. Dr. Carpi, I'll give you the one last kind of word on this one before we move on. So when do Fogel and McLeod have to bring some level of consistency? We'll see. We've been saying the same thing about them for years. Yeah, man, I'm with you. I, I honestly am. But again, I think Evander Kane can succeed in that third line role. Fogel and McLeod are now starting to show us that they can't. I am completely against that, actually. I think uh, from a third line perspective, yes. But also Fogel, until like the last two games when mm-hmm. McDavid got to play with Drysaddle and Hyman, was leading this team in five on five points. And who was right behind him? Ryan McLeod. I think those guys are pointing to positions to succeed. I think McLeod exceeded a little bit more as well when he got put on the third line on his own. And then the lines got shuffled and they got mixed into the pack. Those two just do not work together. And that's fine. But they have shown that they are in, they can succeed in this lineup yeah. if put in the correct roles. Okay, we're going to move on from this. We'll probably dissect it more tomorrow with Jay on a short for giant game day edition of the show. But we have to get to uh, trade machine time. Mock trade. The trade is fake. But you know what's real is the money you can win from service with the Big Share Contest. Back for a sixth year, it's your chance to win $1 million. Anyone can enter by saving with service. Every $500 saved gives you five entries into the Service Big Share Contest. You can even transfer your existing savings to service for a chance to win $1 million. Contest ends April 30th, 2024. Skill test required for rules. Visit service.ca slash win. Liam, you also you, you did my prep for me today. I appreciate that. I did. You sent me a blank sheet. I was like, what are we doing? I know. I was in meetings all day. It was just a shit show, but you stepped up big time. Um, tell me about it. What's what's your mock trade for the day? Fire up that trade machine. So I believe this came from Elliot Freeman on Ivory's article, his podcast, so two thoughts, talking about Dubas. Apparently, if Gensel becomes available, they want a Claude Giroux package from what mm-hmm. he got for Florida, which was Owen Tippett, a conditional first round pick, and a third round pick. Yeah. So I, I meant something together here. That is, obviously, it's a little bit different, and I think you can go a, a few ways about it, but Warren Fogel, your first-round pick and your third-round pick for Jake Gensel. I think I would try You obviously have to try and get some cap retained as well, so you throw in a couple other picks, whatever that may be. Maybe you give them a prospect. Maybe you give them a Tulio Savoy, yeah. whoever they want, to be honest. And uh, so you get Gensel to Edmonton. The, obviously, to put a little caveat on it too, Fogel is three years older than Tippett. Yeah. But he's a free agent at the end of the year and you have an out on a guy that you could resign if you want to. 
We'll see. I don't know. I think that I just don't think the Oilers have that guy, right? That, unless they're going to trade Holloway, which I just don't see how that helps them. So Jake Gensel does have a modified no trade clause. Mm-hmm. Submits a 12 team no trade Is he list. Canadian? No, he's American. So he does control it a little bit, not as much as Giroud did, where Giroud was able to. I'm only playing. I'm only playing. That hurt. That hurt the value they got. Yeah, Gensel could potentially not have that hindrance, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't think this is nearly enough. A first, a third, and Fogel. I think, especially with the money retained, I think you're a first Borgo and Fogel. Sure. I think you need to really crank up that secondary asset from a third round pick. Because I think Gensel will go for more than Giroud did. And again, there's just more bargaining power there. So, and I don't think Fogel is close to Tippett. So I think you got to bridge that gap. You said first Borgo and Fogel. And Fogel for Gensel. Keep the third in there, I'm assuming, too. No, you take the third out. But what if the third is like your cap retention? So then I take, so then again, this just goes back to getting a rental right now. Then I'm, they're going to keep 50% and they're getting a first in Borgo. That's the deal. You're getting two premium assets for a rental. Mm-hmm. I'm keeping in the third and giving it to another team then to keep the extra little bit of money. And I'm not giving up Fogel. I'm getting Gensel twice retained. I'm keeping everybody. Interesting. I I mean, I was basically mirroring what what the jury trade was from the speculation today. But I guess you think about it, that's pretty much what we just said. If it was Fogel, Fogel first and whatever I said, third, whatever it is. Basically, you're at home trade. Yeah. Right? But you're also not getting two years of him, and you have essentially just... You you cannot sign Gensel at the end of the season. Yeah. He's going to be like 10, 8 million minimum. It's a, nothing but a pure rental. 1,000% It's interesting. I just don't... I really don't see a scenario how they can get it. Yeah. Like, it's just... I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I think there's a lot of names out there right now. I actually kind of coming around to the Jordan Eboli idea, if I have to be completely honest. Uh, Friedman says there's a chance they might take a run at re-signing him. Well, that goes all my ideas. I should have listened to more of the podcast. Frank said today on the DFO rundown that he thinks Chris Tanev could be the next name to move on the market. Where? Who knows? Frank, you you're such a tease. What a teaser. He'll be on our show Wednesday. We can ask him about it. I'll, I'll be asking. You know, what should we do? Who should we have on tomorrow? Chris Osgood, maybe? We are playing Detroit. Yeah, he won't respond again. to us. We're Osgood. I don't know. I'll have a look through my um, Rolodex. Rolodex of contacts. All right. Uh, tomorrow <laughs> is a short for... It is. Yeah. <laughs> Cut it on. Uh, tomorrow is a short for Giant Game Day edition of things. Oh, need to tell everybody a new week of the Wendy's Daily Face-Off oh. Survivor Pool starts today after that weird double week. It feels like three weeks since we've been able to get in on a new edition of the game. You can... Make your pick by heading to dailyfaceoffsurvivor.com, the Wendy's Daily Faceoff Survivor game brought to you by Wendy's, where they have an app and it's a chance for you to be collecting rewards points. So not only do you get to eat delicious food and be a winner at lunchtime, but they want to reward you for making smart decisions in the lunch hour. Download the Wendy's app and score yourself 150 bonus reward points on your first order. Uh, what do you like tonight in the Wendy's game, Liam? Just looking, did you see only one person won? Yeah, only one person survived the last one out of like 400 and some. So we've got Philly, Arizona. I don't know. I'm kind of looking at Kadri. To get a point, that's risky. They, but that team's been doing pretty well. I, I like Vegas good. over 30 and a half shots against Minnesota. Yeah, that seems like a nice spot, doesn't it? Seem- Rangers are playing Calgary, so I don't want to touch that one. Who are the Devils playing? Four straight. 
the devil, New Jersey Devils are playing the, and Jack Hughes is back as well. Yeah. Uh, Seattle. Ooh, New Jersey to score in the first period is tempting. Oh, he's always says, okay, yeah, let's do that one. YOLO. Uh, I'm going Vegas over 30 and a half shots on gold. I locked in my New Jersey one already. All right. There you go. Have your say at dailyfaceoffsurvivor.com. The menu for today, which as always is delivered by DoorDash, 25% off, zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more. All you need to do, download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code NATION25. New Nation Real Life dropping this afternoon. Mm -hmm. A riveting update to my popular neighborhood story, Parking Gate. Wow, still going. I heard. I hey, here's the tease. Here's the tease. The finale. Whoa, whoa! How can there be a finale to this? The police are involved. The FBI is involved. Maybe I got myself involved. Maybe you're involved. Maybe you're parking everywhere. Maybe you're on a new car. Wow, you're gonna have to listen to real life. Well, uh, Chalmers be here. We need a dentist update. Yeah, Chalmers is in. He did text and confirm he'll be here for today's episode of uh, Real Life as well. So you're not gonna want to miss today's Nation Real Life. Find it wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, Betway tomorrow we'll be back with the game day betting challenge. So uh, we'll talk about that. Were you sorry? Were you up money on the Super Bowl? I was down. I needed that hail mary mm. uh, overtime live bet on the Chiefs just to cut my losses in half. If I'm being honest, I didn't have a good Super Bowl on Betway. I finished with. W. Yeah, you're up a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. I if the Gatorade was orange and Travis Kelsey would have called that final touchdown, that would have been big. Yeah, but I still won. I needed the the Gatorade color to be clear. That one would have oh, saved well, me because I took it at ten to one, so that would have made up my losses. But yeah, so it would have been water. McMullet, I think I saw you said he put like twenty bucks live on the Chiefs and turned like a hundred and forty or something crazy. So that's legit. Yeah, a friend was down. A bunch of my friends were down at the Waste Management Open. How about Nikki Taylor? How do we not talk that. about that? Yeah, I saw it. There's someone put it on just one screen in the bar. Added on my phone while yeah. I was watching the Super Good Bowl. Kind of crazy. Birdies 18 three straight times to not only force the playoff and then win the playoff. Yeah. I mean, that is a, he did have a little bit of an advantage, I feel, on that first go around where it's like, hey, you just played 18. You're walking yeah. back to the start and playing it again. It's just the same shots over and over again, which is a weird way to do the playoff. I also thought it would have been cool if for the playoff, they would have gone to that 16th hole. Yeah, that would be. But if you if you had a Nick Taylor anytime win, he's becoming an auto bet at the waste management because he almost did it last year too. He's he's come a long way the last few years. He's been he's done really really. He well. might he is the Canadian with the best chance to win a major this year. Oh uh, yes, I know. Corey Cor- Corian's just kind of not dropped off, but he's no. And he Connor's always does show up pretty well at Augusta. Like yeah. he's a pretty good Augusta golfer. Um, but I think Nick Taylor's got an unbelievable shot at winning a major this we'll year. I'm in on April it. April 11th, the Masters. Masters. I love the Masters so much. I love Masters Week. If, you, if you've ever talked to anyone at Oilers Nation, you know I am not productive Masters no. Week. I have my iPad. I'm like an iPad kid and I just walk around watching Yeah, my spreadsheet. Yeah, I love betting on the Masters. Go. Shout out to Betway 19 plus. Please pay responsibly. One o'clock. We got a meeting. We got to go. Uh, big shout out to everyone in the YouTube chat. Hit the subscribe button if you have not already. Uh, big shout out to our friends at the Sports Closet. All of our other partners for today's edition of the show. Tomorrow, short for Giant Game Day with our guy Jay. We'll chat with you then.